It is February 9th. Oh, it is. That's so true. Yes. <laughs> I got excited. I literally had no idea how you were going to introduce this, but that was brilliant. I love that. It is February 9th. 2020 and we are live at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood, California and it's time for the big award of the night. Oh. The envelope pleat. Oh, oh wait, we don't we're in the future. We we're don't actually don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, you guys welcome to a special episode of the envelope please. Welcome. Um this is actually you're going to be hearing this as if it was our fourth episode. Correct. But uh it's the first time we've recorded in a while. It has been a few yeah, weeks. Yeah, it, it has, has. been. We, uh, we're actually, in recording purposes right now, we're like in 1948. We're way ahead of the game. We're so far ahead. (laughs) We're so far ahead, but you guys are like way back in like 1930 or something. I don't know. Y'all are still stuck in the black and white films. Let's put it that way. You're, yeah, well, I mean, we, I always will be. (laughs) That's right. Honestly. Um, but, uh, it is time. I, I think it's really interesting today, uh, as of this recording, um, it'll be probably yesterday when you listen to this, but mm-hmm. we just dropped an episode on All Quiet on the Western Front. Yes, we did. And um, I think that's such an interesting movie to to have right before the Oscars come out because there's so many parallels with the front runner for this year. There are so many parallels. 1917 that is. And I like I was listening I was listening to our to us because I <laughs> I do listen to our episodes when they drop. And oh, me uh, too. And as I was listening to uh, us and thinking about how great I am, I was uh, <laughs> I was thinking like no how shame. there's so many parallels between 1917 and All Quiet on the Western Front. There are a lot. Yeah. Um, so quite a few. this is a really interesting year. We have we're going to go ahead and just kind of run through um, all the big categories yes. uh, for you, and then we're going to spend uh, some more time on best picture uh, because we have worked toward seeing um, almost everything, the and, all of them, and uh, we have opinions on all of these uh, top. We do. So if you guys, getters. if you guys haven't filled out like your Oscar pool ballot yet, feel Rich, free try to help. Take it out right now. Fill it in with us. We're gonna give you Sam and Rance's 2020 Oscar prediction. And we're going from the the bottom of the ballot all the way to the top. Um, we. Uh, don't really have that many opinions on the short subjects. We don't. I'm actually going to see the shorts. I'm seeing them um, Saturday night. Yeah, they're actually. playing. If you're interested in seeing uh, the live action shorts or the animated shorts, uh, AMC Theaters mm-hmm. is playing them um, all over their chain, Absolutely. all over the country um, this weekend so that everybody can have a chance to see them. They play all of the animated and live action shorts um, as a package. Yep. Um, as two separate packages. That and it's so much fun. It's one of my favorite things to do is to go out and watch all of the live action animated shorts because they're so good. They are such... Is it, they're so quality. they play all of them together or they play mm-hmm. them live well, separately? Yeah, yeah, so there's a live action which takes about an hour and a half and then... Uh, the animated package, which yes. is about an hour and a half, too. But yeah. So that is something that you are able to do if you want to be yes. fully prepared and you've seen everything but that. I will um, say, like, if we're just going to run through them real quick, from what I've been researching on them, if you're trying to fill these out for short film animated, I would put down Hair Love. That seems to have the most support behind it. For live action short, 
It seems to be kind of a tie between the neighbor's window and brotherhood right now. Okay. Uh, my money's on the neighbor's window simply because it has American actors in it. And I feel like that might be more popular with the American voting audience out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the documentary short subject, um, I would put all your money on learning to skateboard in a war zone if oh, you're yeah. a girl. Apparently yeah. that is going to run run away with it. So those are your three um, short <laughs> Or skateboard. Away or with just it. yeah, or just you skateboard away with it. Oh, <laughs> uh, what do we have next? All right, so we're gonna break down. Okay, let's go to visual effects. Visual effects. Visual um, effects. What big, do you think? Got we got Avengers Endgame. We got the Irishman, the Lion, <laughs> the Lion King, um, nineteen seventeen, and Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. This is hilarious. A category that has both Avengers Endgame and the Irishman in it. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, what Archer is- says he is literally rolling around right now. He can't. He can't wrap his head around this. He's just. And I mean. I, I'm not... Were you impressed with the special effects in The Irishman, or was it distracting to you? I'm curious. Um, I did really like... Well, I'll tell you more about my feelings about The Irishman sure. later. I did really like the movie. Um, I will say it's like... I feel like it's fine as long as you kind of uh, think, okay, they're 40. Like, think of them as being mm-hmm. about 40 in the, in the younger stuff. Um, yeah. I do like it better when they when they catch up to the ages they are. 100%. Um... And then, of course, section where he's supposed to be a lot older, and it's just like I guess makeup effects. That's fine. Um, yeah, my but... problem was with Robert De Niro. To me, when he's young, he looks the most I don't know CGI'd to me. That was one that kind of bothered me. The other two didn't really bother me a whole much because I think Joe Pesci looks ninety even when he was forty. So oh I don't yeah, think I mean we've that seen was that big of a deal. Same with Al Pacino too. But it's De Niro, in my opinion, when he's the young version of him, it looks a little like. I don't know, kind of like glassy-eyed and like just very you know, filtered. I think the thing that know? was weird for me with Robert De Niro is um, they made him, they gave him, I think, blue contacts. Um, yes, and that's totally what it is. It's and and I think more than any of the CGI, it was just very. Uh, it took a little getting used to seeing him. Um, with a different eye color. And of course they did that because they needed him to be Irish and <laughs> he looks very Italian. So his, I mean, his name's De Niro. Very um, true. De Niro's, I just, I didn't make that up. De Niro's like an Italian name, right? Oh, hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I would imagine for sure. He must be Italian. He's Italian, right? He's Italian. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to have to look <laughs> that up. I should not have said be. that with as much confidence as I did. No, that only makes sense. Uh, regardless of the Irishman special effects, to me, I feel like this is Avengers Endgame. Uh, it's category to lose. I don't know. For me, the visual effects Oscar usually goes to the movie with the most visual effects. And uh, I think, hands down, that is Avengers Endgame. Uh, his, he's of Irish and Italian descent on his father's side. Well, there you go. Um, so, And his mother was Dutch, English, French, and German. So he's actually not that Italian. The last name may come from that. But he does have some Irish in him. I just, okay. But they wanted him to look more Irish. Sure. Very much. So... Um, that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, what are you going to put your money on? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, if we're looking at if we're looking at uh, what the Hollywood Reporter is saying, which they have a which they have a, a math equation oh, that yes. they have used math to math and Oscars keep talking dirty to me. <laughs> <laughs> math is only sexy to me when it's applied to the Oscars. I don't know. <laughs> 
There's no other time I'm like, ooh, math. Oh, so accurate. Um, it's a race between Avengers and, and 1917. And that makes sense, yeah. And I would give the edge to Avengers Endgame. I just think if it's going to win something, it's going to win this award. Yeah. I do like the fact that 1917 seems to have so much practical effect. Yes. And I do like practical effects, so I wouldn't mind if something like that won. But anyway, sure. um, that appears to be the... Uh, one to lose. Okay. Let's move on. Um, film editing. Film editing. Um, Let's see. We've got Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasites. Now, I'm going to... Here's... I'm going to stake my, my case here. Uh, I'm putting all my money on Parasites to win this one. Simply because... The editing in this movie is so impressive. If you've seen it, all I'm going to say is the scene where they use the peach to their advantage to get the housekeeper out, the way that that entire scene is cut and spliced together, it's a masterclass. It's perfect. Uh, I'll talk more about Parasite in a second. Sure. Um, it uh, once again, going to the Hollywood Reporter, they have a slight edge to Ford v. Ferrari. Ooh. Um, over Parasite. Okay. So it's pro I would say saying it's one of those two is a safe bet. Um Parasite is is very well paced and well edited. So yes. I can see that. But I mean they often give nods in technical categories to uh, movies that have more of an action element to them. Definitely. So that isn't um, that's surprising, but I will also say a lot of people consider editing to be an award that's hand-in-hand hand with Best Picture. It is, yes. Usually they go hand-in-hand. Hand. And right now, the frontrunner for Best Picture is probably 1917, uh-huh. um, which is not nominated in film editing, largely because... <laughs> there's very minimal editing. <laughs> there's not much in the way of editing. Um, although I will say the cuts that exist in 1917 are almost imperceptible. Which, totally, which is an impressive, really impressive feat yeah. in itself, but um, but the cinematography is the star in that movie. Um, I feel like it's going to be a good night for Parasite. I feel I like I would love I feel like else. I'm going to give the edge to Parasite on my list. Me too. And I'll say this: you know, with Ford and Ferrari, yes, there's the editing in that is so great. The the car uh, chase chase race race they're racing. Yeah. The, the the racing sequence is done very very well. But when I'm Compared to Parasite, like you said, there's not a single frame or scene in Parasite that I would want cut out mm-hmm. or changed, which to me, it's like, there's no fat in that movie. The editing is perfect. Whereas Ford v. Ferrari, I still think it runs a little long and it still feels a little long. I think it could have been edited down a little bit. Yeah. And that's just, you know, taste over whatever. So I think we're going to go with Parasite on this one. Uh, great. Maybe. Yeah. Interesting that the two movies that are... The front runners, front runners for editing are like two and a half hours long. That is very true. <laughs> it's not what I generally think of when I think <laughs> of editing. Um, so production design. Production design. Um, we got... Uh, this is going to be a lot of the usual suspects here. 100%. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Jojo Rabbit, 1917, The Irishman, and Parasite. Um, I would have said this anyway, but mm-hmm. Hollywood Reporter seems to really think this is going to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And yeah. I don't think there has been a movie that has so accurately recreated a time period in a long time. That so. is very true. Yeah, I, I would put my money on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. I think this is going to be a very interesting category. I feel like 
this one along with 1917 and Parasite, even mm-hmm. Jojo Rabbit, I will say, this is a really great movie, uh, excuse me, a year for movies of just immersing you in totally different, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, vibes of these these films. Time periods and realities. Yes. And, um, and this is, I mean, it, it's, it's a, four of these five movies are period pieces. Um, yeah. And, uh, but you and, know, here's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. I I'm gonna jump on the Parasite bandwagon a lot. It's, I love this movie so much. But did you know that in Parasite, everything you watched was built? Yeah, the main house yeah. built. They didn't get Their a house. slums where they live built in a soundstage. Incredible. That to me is insane. You no, know, no. This. So what's more impressive, building an entire movie from scratch, or filming in Hollywood and changing some details around? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's more impressive to you? I. That's up to you to decide, I guess. Uh, but I, I do think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does have kind of the main steam in this category. I think, yeah, and and they're going to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was at one point the front runner for everything. Uh, for everything, and so they're definitely going to want to be able. They're give going to want to give it something. Definitely. Um, do you know what my favorite Once Upon a Time in Hollywood debate is? What? Um, and this is something I only realized a few weeks ago when a friend and I were discussing this. Um, the ellipses in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yep. Because it's, there's a dot, dot, dot in the title. It's in different places, depending on where you look. On the movie poster and on the DVD cover, it's Once Upon a Time, it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. On, in the credits, and on IMDb, and all of the official listings, it's Once Upon a Time in in Hollywood. Right! Um, oh, I didn't even realize that. Yes, but if you'll look, you can look online too, if you look on the poster... You're right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Isn't that mine? Like, where is it supposed to be? Who knows? <laughs> I think... Does Tarantino Officially know? speaking, I think it's supposed to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. In Hollywood. I think yeah. so too. Um, oh, yeah, let's. Yes. Yeah, I think we're agreeing upon that. Hollywood will win that one. So, best cinematography. This might be the easiest category of the entire evening, you guys. If you don't put your money on 1917, you are going to be. You're going to lose. You're going to uh, lose. <laughs> so, it's 1917, The Lighthouse, The Irishman, Joker, Once Upon a Time oh. in Hollywood. Um, Thank you. Uh, and uh, I will also say, at one point, I think it was until 1917 came out. I think it would have been Once Upon a Time. Totally, but, but I um, think honestly, my personal preference here would be The Lighthouse. I oh, The Lighthouse was a very interesting, so interesting. Do you know what my favorite part about this category is? I'm one of those people who's a huge propo- proponent of film versus digital. Yep. And three of these five movies were shot on 35 <gasps> millimeter film. Yes, and they so, were. but 1917 is not one of them. Uh, 1917, you couldn't have shot on film just because... Uh, it would have been close to impossible. <laughs> because a reel of film is a, is about 10 minutes long. Uh-huh. And you needed more than It would have been minutes. Hitchcock style when you made Rope. You would yeah. have had to cut every 10 minutes. Yeah, every 10 minutes. And they do actually have quite a few cuts in the movie. Like, anytime there's an explosion and you see the screen go black for a second, mm. that's a cut. Definitely. Um <clears throat> I was reading about this. There's like 34 cuts in 1917. Whoa! Yeah. I didn't think there were that many, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, wow. And someone like broke all of them down. And most of them, you're like, oh, I wasn't even... You're not even aware. There's only, there's only one cut in the entire movie that is obvious. Yeah. You know, when he blacks out. When he actually blacks yeah, yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one, we'll, sure. get to, we'll get to 1917. Really? Um, Let's go to costume design. Uh, costume design. Um... We've got The Irishman, yes. Little Women, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Once Upon a Time, 
Hollywood. This is kind of a tough category. No, it's uh, in the on the Hollywood Reporter website. The figures are pretty close together in the top three. Little Women. Um, yeah, well, Little Women. Once upon a time and. Jojo Rabbit are all up there. My personal favorite in this category uh, for costumes is Jojo Rabbit. Um, So good. Like, how do you make, like, my gosh, like, worn toward Germany, uh, Nazi Germany, look that colorful and vibrant? Like, it's so wonderful. The costumes are so specific to what a child's view of that time period is. I love it. Also, if I was a woman, I would want everything that... Everything ScarJo wears. ScarJo wears, yeah. Oh no, it's, gosh. Um, but then you go to but, Little Women and those costumes. I mean, the Oscars love a good period costume piece. period piece. You know yes. what I mean? And Little Women fits that bill to a T. And they, I mean, I will, I'll admit, the costumes are stunning. They're absolutely stunning. They and are. The way Greta Gerwig like designed the costumes to reference each character. They're very specific. They're very you specific, know? and it is, it is. The slight favorite to win on Hollywood Reporter. Thank goodness. Um, Once Upon a Time also has great costuming. uh, Very... uh, Very 1960s. Very 1960s. uh, Captures the period great. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's between those three for sure. Um, I I imagine it will be Little Women. That's what I'm... That's where my... Gut is right now too. Yeah, but I could I could see that going a couple ways. I could too. I so. could yeah, I could too. I would put yeah. My gut says Little Women, so we're gonna go with that for today. Makeup and hairstyling. Oh, this one's easy too. Yeah, this is gonna be um, well. It's Bombshell, Joker, Judy, nineteen seventeen, and Maleficent two. <laughs> um, uh, Those cheekbones. Maleficent, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think this is Bombshell. Bombshell's Oscar to lose for sure. It's the same it's team all about It's all about Charlie's Theron. Charlie's Theron oh, and, yeah. and how much she looks like Megyn Kelly in the I movie. Mean, when that yeah. trailer dropped and you saw Charlize walk out as Megyn Kelly... It I won think makeup and hairstyling that meant. Totally. I mean, <laughs> and it's the same makeup and hairstyling team behind Darkest Hour, which they won the Oscar that year too with Gary Oldman. So it's the same kind of transformative yeah. thing. Because also in Bombshell too, it's not just... Charlize Theron that gets this makeup treatment. Keep in mind, Jonathan Lithgow playing Roger Ailes, the makeup that he had to go through to do and that. the prosthetics. Insane. Yeah. So across the board, this belongs to Bombshell. Yeah, 100%. Um, so we got sound mixing and sound editing, which this you can kind of lump together. Um, the for nominees out there, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. for four nominees are the same. Uh, in sound editing, it's Ford v. Ferrari. 1917 Joker, Once Upon a Time Hollywood. Those are all nominated for Best Sound Mixing as mm-hmm. well. And then Best Sound Editing, uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and Best Sound Mixing, the fifth nominee is Ad Astra. Ad Astra. Ad Astra. Ad Astra, sorry. These, are um, the fun, these categories are funny. I feel like whenever we come to these categories, people are always like, what's the difference? What do these mean? Guess what, guys? I'm here to help you out. I did the research for you. Oh, go ahead. So here we go. If we're going to talk about sound Editing. Yes. That is how all the sound is assembled. When you hear an explosion, do you also see an explosion? Do yes. they match up? That is the editing of sound to film. Sound mixing. When you're in the theater, how does it sound to you? Is it too loud in certain parts? Is it too quiet in certain parts? Can you mm-hmm. hear the dialogue while there's also that explosion going on? How it's all mixed together. That's the difference between those two categories. So action movies really do have... Action An films, advantage yeah. in this type of totally. action war movies, um, and Ford v Ferrari 1917 are definitely the front runners for both of these. The top two, absolutely. And um, 
uh, according to Hollywood Reporter, Ford v Ferrari has a slight edge here. Mm, I, I could I could I see that, know. but I do think 1917 would make a lot of sense here. I think 1917. Yeah. I just my gut always says go with the war film. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of people kind of splitting this too, giving one to 1917 and giving one to uh, Ford v Ferrari. But the problem is if you're going to split it. It's almost impossible to determine which way it's going to split, which one's going to win which one. So if you're filling out an Oscar ballot, the best thing to do is to put one movie down for both and hopefully Chance you get them both right. Get so personally, I'm putting 1917 down for both of them. I feel like it's a standout in the sound and yeah, you know, personally, that's what I think. Okay. So original song is up next. Uh, we have Stand Up from Harriet. I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man, Into the Unknown by from Fresno 2, uh, I'm Standing With You from Breakthrough, and I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4. Uh, the I, biggest snub of the entire year. Where's Taylor Swift's nomination for Cats? <laughs> he's, he's joking. I just want to oh, make I sure. Oh, I wish I were. <laughs> uh, oh, I think this is absolutely going to go to Rocket Man. Rocket Man. It's an it's giving it's Elton John first of all. I mean, and yeah. this would be he has won an Oscar before. He won for Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King. Oh, duh. yeah. Um, but uh, but I gotta tell you, like that that song. It's interesting. That song. I I I heard it and I didn't even realize it was new because there was something that felt so familiar about it. Yeah, it felt like a song from the seventies. <clears throat> And the fact that it can fit into a movie that way and make you think, oh, of course, I've heard the song a million times before. Totally. That's an accomplishment in and of itself. It it's is, automatically it's also, catchy. It's, it's Elton John and his original writing partner behind this. And they've never won an Oscar together, you know? So I think an Oscar for both of well, them. It's not just his writing partner, right? It's uh, Who else is it? Uh, well, it's is he... Hold on, you you talk. I'm gonna look up a fact. Oh, you look up that fact. Um, and also the fact that you know Elton John has been throwing probably the biggest post Oscars party since the dawn of time. I think safe bets are gonna say people are gonna vote um, for him in this song. And this is such a good movie. This movie was so I feel like underappreciated by the Academy. So an Oscar in this category for Rocket Man is showing support for the movie, which I think there needs to be so much more of. Especially for Taron Edgerton. It makes me so sad he did not make the cut. Oh, uh, man. Um, yeah. I, yeah? <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes me... Um, that does make me very sad. I know, right? Um, Especially considering who we gave the Best Actor Oscar to last year. You know what I'm saying? Not even. <laughs> uh, no, this would, be a, this would be a great... Um, this would be a great... That way, I feel like that would be a nice moment. I think so. so, too. And my fact was irrelevant, so just forget that I said oh, anything. Love that. We're getting um, to Rocket Man. Original song goes to Rocket Man. Okay, so we got... Uh, score. Original score. Uh, 1917, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. We got is, some heavy hitters in here. Totally, but I think this is going to be another very easily predictable category. Um... Joker has picked up every single precursor scoring award, uh, and I think it's going to win the Oscar as well. It's also it would be it would be a revolutionary moment because a woman yes wrote the score. And what I didn't know about either is um, she wrote the score before they filmed. She was given the script, she wrote the score on the script. So when Joaquin was performing, they had her music playing while so he was performing. So it helped him out. So I'm like. 
that's to me that's doing a lot more than a score normally does for a film. And so Joker's not impressive. my favorite film. No, me either. Um, <laughs> but it, the music is extremely effective. The music is yeah. was definitely the best takeaway from the film. I will agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, All right. Anyway, and then meanwhile, we should mention this is like the 51st or second nomination for John Williams. <laughs> First Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. That's like, oh, no, he's, you're had, not. he's had over 50 nominations, so good for him. <laughs> good for him. Um, All right. International feature film. Okay, this I lied is to you. a runaway. This will be the easiest category of the night. <laughs> this is this is not fair. This isn't um, fair. Like, on the, I should tell you, on the Hollywood Reporter Percentage website, they give. Parasite, a 92.9% chance of winning. This is the safest category of the night. So, guys, when I tell you to vote for Parasite... Do it! Just do it. But I will say this, something very interesting. Um, Honeyland is nominated in the International Feature Film, and it's a documentary. I don't know how many times that's actually happened. The documentary also breaks into the International Feature Film category. Well, it should Um, be mentioned that I think documentaries are technically eligible for lots of things. They are, and I would love to see documentaries actually sneak into the Best Picture race. That has never happened, and I think that would be fascinating. If you haven't seen Honeyland, it's on Hulu. I loved it. Please watch. Okay, so just all right. I mean, like these other movies, I'm sure are great. It's just that there's nothing's beating Parasite. Oh, nothing is. Parasite is going to win hands down. But I think it's awesome that a documentary also snuck into this uh, category. And speaking of documentary features, uh, Honeyland is uh, one of the favorites to win best documentary feature. Yes. Although American Factory is also. on that list as it's well, uh, the cave uh, for Sama and the Edge of Democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is between American Factory and Honeyland. Definitely, um, <clears throat> considering Honeyland is nominated for Best International Feature, I feel like that's a good bet to go with. It seems like it's going. It is, maybe but lean. Obama is behind American Factory, and people love um, Obama. And I, I gotta say, I wouldn't mind. If, I wouldn't if mind he's either. coming if they're at the ceremony, mm-hmm. which I don't know if they're planning to go. I don't know. But if they're there... Then you know. I very much would like to see them up on stage. If you see Obama and Michelle on the red carpet, take your ballot back out and quickly switch it over to American Factory. Because that everybody, means they're there for a reason. Everybody wants to see that speech. Everyone wants to see that. And I liked American Factory. I like Honeyland better, but I think there's more support behind American Factory. So we're going to go with American Factory. That's our guess. All right. I, I'm, I'm going... The Obamas are putting it over for me. They are! I and know, a lot of that's nostalgia because we are in dark times. But. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. A vote for American Factory is kind of a vote for Democrats, you know? Although... I mean... That's... <laughs> consider this your... Consider this your prep for November. Oh, vote for the Democrat now. Do it again in November. <laughs> Everything's fine. Um... Sorry, but not to, we don't get political on this podcast. No, never. Um, <laughs> best animated feature? This is a good category. All right, what are the nominees? Uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Mm. I Lost My Body. Mm. God, if I had a dime every single time. I had a dime. Uh, Claws. Mm. Um, Missing Link. Mm-hmm. And Toy Story 4. This... This is stacked. This one, for me, is very difficult to Mm -hmm. um, kind of decipher because a lot of the precursor awards have been split among a lot of these. Mm -hmm. Claws has won quite a few. I Lost My Body has won a few. Missing Link won the Globe. Toy Story 4 is a Pixar film. You know? there's. I think How to Train Your Dragon is out. I don't think that's going to win. For me personally, I think it's between Klaus and Toy Story 4. 
those two seem to have the biggest push because recently the uh, the Annie Awards just happened, which is kind of like the animated film industry's Oscars, mm-hmm. essentially. And Klaus won every award it was up for, seven out of seven, including Best Animated Feature. So you're saying that that's going to be the one? I think it has a lot of support, but also Toy Story 4 is... It's a Toy Story movie, but think of it this way, though. Toy Story 3, back in 2010, won um, Best Animated Feature and was nominated for Best Picture. Are they going to give another Toy Story film an Oscar? I don't know. I don't don't know. I think think Toy Story 3 is better than Toy Story 4, Mm -hmm. personally. Yeah. And I think people will remember that when they're voting. And also, Klaus and I Lost My Body are both on Netflix. So it's They're so easier to watch. accessible, exactly. Yeah. They're um, so accessible. And the animation in Klaus is so stunningly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I loved it. Yeah, I um I, I still I'm gonna I'm gonna be safe and, and say Toy Story Four. That is a safe and bet, you're right. One of the reasons I consider it a safe bet is just because who the voting block is made out of. Yes. And they're you tend to get Disney films tend to win this category over and over over and over because they have a very strong block of voters who will vote for the Disney film I think really? that's they have a lot of money and I mean Toy Story 4 made over a billion dollars it is the so... highest profile movie in this category exactly so when you're talking about accessibility people definitely also saw Toy Story 4 but I would love for I'd love for Klaus I would too my personal favorite is I Lost My Body that's just one of my favorite movies of the entire year mm-hmm. but I think it's too small and independent for yeah. it to win but yeah I think the safe bet is Toy Story 4 Ooh, but I might change it to Klaus. I don't know. But no, Toy Story 4. Let's, let's do the safe bet. Um, adapted screenplay. Okay. Um, we got uh, Irishman, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, The Two Popes. Um, this is definitely down between two, I think. Yes. I think we're I, down between Little Women and Jojo Rabbit. Yes. Uh, uh, Hollywood Reporter gives Jojo the edge. Uh, I um, think so, too. I think... Which I, makes me sad. I think it's... I think it's probably going to be JoJo. The situation where I can see it being Little Women mm-hmm. is I think that there was a lot of backlash that Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for Best Director. Yep. And I could see them giving her screenplay. Yes. Um, kind of like a, oops, sorry. A hundred percent. Kind of a makeup Oscar. And also, like, if Little Women doesn't win costume, if that goes to a different movie, it's like, this is where the Academy can show their support for Little And Women. it is certainly... It's one of the most famous novels of all time. Mm-hmm. And so adapting something that is so ingrained in popular culture is always a, a gargantuan task. And, and so doing I it as people, differently as she did. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for me personally, this is and my doing favorite something. version of Little Women. So, I love how yeah. she um, put all together. But I do think the edge is for Jojo Rabbit, mainly because Taika Waititi just won the WG. Uh, a award, and as that's well. always a great precursor. A huge indicator. There's a lot of uh, crossover members in the Academy and the WGA, so I think I think Jojo Rabbit at this point has the slight edge. For original screenplay, we got uh, Knives Out, 1917, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Thank you. Parasite. Um, oh, this one's hard too. Okay, so. Um, Hollywood Reporter has this between Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's what I would think, too. Um, They're pretty close together. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't think there's much of a chance of Nye's Out winning, which makes me very sad, because it's actually my favorite in this category. Oh, it's so good. Um, But, uh... (laughs) I'm going to give the edge to Parasite. (laughs) I'm going to do it. I just, I think... 
I think Parasite is going to win more than just international feature film. And I think where it, its second best chance of getting a second Oscar is in the screenwriting category. I think yeah. the writing is has been consistently one of the most praised things about the film. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's going to kind of push it over the edge. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a Tarantino film. <laughs> He's already won two Oscars. So uh, he's got a lot of support too. I, I'm going to say Parasite as well. Me too. Um, I could see this very easily going to Tarantino. Um, but... The fact that he does have Oscars already. I do think people also tend to award people who they may not see in the category again. Definitely, yeah. And with these international nominees, um, you know, what uh, are the chances they're going to make that many more movies that end up hitting L.A.? Absolutely. uh, Hitting America the way this one did. And what, Tarantino, I've heard several different things. This was his last film, he's going to make one more. So it's like, if he's going to make another movie, the Academy will have another chance to give him an Oscar. And for me personally, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I don't think the writing is the strongest thing about it. You know, as far as, if you're going to line up all of Tarantino's films, I don't think this is his best written film by far. Personally. Um... I really like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm also really obsessed with uh, the situations that it's dealing with in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have probably a slight bias. That's um, fair. And I think I probably like it a little bit more than I like Parasite. But, um, but we'll get into that when we get to Best Picture. All right. So you're, we're putting the edge to Parasite for original yes. screenplay. Uh, okay, so now we have Best Supporting Actress. Um, this is another pretty no-duh category. Um, we got uh, Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell, um, which that was supposed to be Jennifer Lopez and <laughs> Hustlers. Hustlers. <laughs> I think you read that name wrong. I think I read that wrong. J Lo. Um, no, but Kathy Bates is. I love her, and she's Me an American too. institution. Uh, Richard Jewell. That's a different story. Um, <laughs> Laura Dern and Marriage Story. Scarlett Johansson and Jojo Rabbit. Florence Pugh and Little Women. And Margot Robbie. In Bombshell. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I want to say what my favorite performance is in the category. Please do. My favorite performance in the category is Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she did have an advantage in that movie mm-hmm. that she had a composite character so she could kind of have the freedom to create. Yes. And she does such a good job, particularly in the latter part of the movie where... Um, Whenever she te- she wants to tell uh, 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 SNL, whenever she wants to tell Kate McKinnon, Kate McKinnon um, about what happened to her, and yep. Kate McKinnon's like, you can't. Yeah, and like her devastation, like the way she handles her breakdown, the way she handles her devastation, it's brilliant. It's and wonderful. I um, I love her performance <laughs> in that movie, and I think she's the heart of that film. Um, I, Florence Pugh is wonderful in Little Women. She's wonderful. she's so funny. Um, but Laura Dern is not only really good in Marriage Story, she also has been great for her entire career. She is beloved by the entire um, by the entire world. industry <laughs> and world. Um, she's had a terrific last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, she's in multiple Best Picture nominees. Um, and she she is one of the best parts of Marriage Story um, in a role that gives her a lot of fun stuff to do. And she knocks it out of the park. Um, 
it is the perfect opportunity to give Laura Dern an Oscar that she has probably deserved for a lot longer than just this movie. A long time. And I also think that um, it's also very important to know that Laura Dern also sits on the Board of Governors for the Academy. So she's also a very big deal in the entire voting body, you know? So I so think they, that gives her even more of an edge. She doesn't need, but it's there. There's yeah. so much support for her. And interestingly, you know, she comes from her, both of her parents um, are Academy Award nominated actors. They sure. Um, Diane Ladd uh, uh, was nominated for Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore um, mm-hmm. as supporting. And her father has uh, picked up a couple nominations, including a couple years ago for Nebraska, mm. and um, a few years ago. It's been a while. Um, been a while ago for coming yeah. home. And yeah, for and he actually is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. On top of that, yes, he is. Um, but the fact that this family, um, although they're not married anymore, it, the fact that her parents are so respected have been in the industry forever and she's been in the industry forever it's about time someone in this family won an Oscar definitely I agree yeah it's hands down going to Laura Dern yeah like don't even it's 90% on on this math by (laughs) Hollywood Reporter so I mean supporting actor is also pretty obvious Um, maybe the most obvious of the acting categories uh, there's not a soul on earth that does not want to see Brad Pitt on the stage accepting this award. Yes. I'm sure they're scrambling to figure out how they can have Jennifer Aniston at the ceremony. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, but the other else? nominees yeah, are Al Pacino and Joe Pesci for The Irishman, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Hopes, uh, Two Hopes, The Two <laughs> Popes, uh, Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Na- Day in the Neighborhood. Um, yeah. It's going to Brad Pitt. It's going to Brad Pitt. Um, there's really no competition here. Um, and Brad, and he's... It's a meaty, wonderful role in the movie. Yeah. It's the best he's been in years. Totally. And he's beloved. Beloved. Um, I never won an acting Oscar. He won for producing 12 Years of Slave. He does have an he's Oscar, been, but as yes, a producer. Exactly. And that's the great thing about Brad Pitt. I was talking to my friend about this. Brad Pitt is such like an under-the-radar producer. He has produced so many quality films in the last decade or so that... It is so impressive to see that side of him evolve, too. And he's also still a great actor. I also think that all of this hullabaloo that happened after the sags with Jennifer Aniston about how they were photographed together, I think that the fact that he can remain friends with her really Hmm. shows that people just really like Brad Pitt. Totally. And even after all that drama, the fact that they can still... Be exactly. friends really says something. And maybe I'm secretly hoping they get back together one day. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Crazier Who knows? things have happened. Crazier. Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor got married and divorced, what, seven times? I don't think it's that many, but... Um, uh, I may be over-exaggerating a tad. I think it was once, but still, it's... it's. Uh, I mean, You never know. It's Hollywood, you guys. It's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. Um, okay, then we got uh, actress in a leading role. Mm. We've um, got this is the acting categories. They're they're so no brainers. Um, so we got Cynthia Revo in Harriet, uh, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, double nomination for ScarJo. Mm-hmm. Um, Sear Sharonen for Little Women, uh, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger in Judy. She has literally won everything. everything. She has a ninety percent chance, according to Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. This is a no-brainer. It's it's going to Renee. Renee will win for Judy, but I'm glad you brought up ScarJo's double nomination. Do you think it's warranted? Um, 
I do. Okay. I really do. I, um, I'll talk about JoJo when we get to Best Picture. Okay. Um, I feel like she's kind of the heart of that movie. Um, she sure. does a great job with her little accent. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's fun and she's quirky and it is, uh, it is the definition of what a supporting role is. Sure. And I, I am supportive of that nomination um, and I don't think she is the reason J-Lo didn't get one. I think that that's Kathy Bates. I, yeah, uh, I think Kathy Bates took that spot, too. I agree with you. Um, I think her role in Marriage Story, um, it, it's it's interesting to compare those two movies. She does two very different characters. Very different. And Adam Driver and ScarJo do such a good job in the big fight scene yeah. that happens in Marriage Story that the second that scene happened... I mean, while I was watching that scene, I was like, oh, are they going to win? Because it was some of the best fighting I've ever it's seen. It's amazing. I yeah. agree with you. I agree with you on that. I, I loved her in Marriage Story. I will say I was not a fan of her in Jojo Rabbit. For me, I don't know. She, maybe it's just personal. It's like a taste or preference thing. I think Scarlett Johansson is just too famous for that part. I could not get her out of my head. I was watching the movie and I was like, okay, but... But that's Scarlett Johansson. You know what I mean? I don't know. I couldn't separate the actor from the performance in that, and I just don't think she brought enough to it. I didn't but get that me. at all. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, uh, I really enjoyed her. Anyway, but uh, regardless, Renee Zellweger's winning. Renee, <laughs> like, there's no even to re- even discuss it. She, no. I think, also this is this actor the, <laughs> that we're moving on to. I know. I'm going to say one more thing. Oh, I think that the Academy yeah, thinks. In some way, by awarding Renee Zellweger, they're making up for the fact that they didn't give Judy an Oscar um, outside of a, an honorary one as a kid. Um, which How ridiculous! Really I mean, Judy should have won her Oscar for Judgment at Nuremberg. Let's just put that out there right now. Actually, okay, no, um, I oh, disagree please. with you. Oh, come, um, come at me, bro. What's up? I actually, I get why she lost both Oscars. Um, I think that. I, I don't... A lot of people hate on Grace Kelly for The Country Girl. Grace Kelly... Except for me. <laughs> Grace Kelly's really good in The Country She's Girl. She's so good. And 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 Judy Garland is great in uh, A Star is Born. It's kind of like apples and oranges. All 12 hours. Um, I think that... I think that the fact that A Star is Born didn't really get a as big a release as it would have had because of the way they cut the movie and stuff, and it yes. didn't really hit... Uh, smaller towns for a long time. I think there was a lot of things that worked against A Star is Born as far as getting Oscars in 1954. Yes. So I think looking at it contextually, it makes sense why she didn't win for that. Um, And plus, Grace Kelly is... It's not like Grace Kelly didn't deserve an Oscar. Plus, 1954, she had three hit movies. Exactly. She was huge. So she... You know, three classic films in Mm -hmm. one year, including two great Hitchcock movies. Um... So I get that. Judgment at Nuremberg, in most years, I would think it's hers, but it oh. is really hard to disagree with Rita Moreno for West Side you Story. That's a good point. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. You're right. Ah, oh, crap. Because because <sighs> Rita Moreno, is it? she's the best performance in West Side Story. Oh, hands down. And she is the soul of that film. When you think of Anita in anything, my head always goes to Rita Moreno. I hate to be whoever's playing her in the Steven Spielberg. I mean, like... Oh, God. Especially since they they put Rita Moreno in the movie. So it's just like, she's there as a reminder. Right? That Mm. it's like, oh yeah, this woman 
are, this is the only person who's ever yes. going to be associated with this role. Definitely. I will um, say, furthermore, though, too, I think part, part of me thinks partially why Renee is going to win for Judy is also the Academy being like, yeah, so we gave you an Oscar for Cold Mountain, but I think we all know that was kind of a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> Garbage. I hate that movie. Well, that movie? I don't hate Cold Mountain. I... Well. I think I think you're using superlatives that don't apply to it. <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's a fine film. Um, it's uh, boring as shit, guys. I um, I mean, like, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Okay, <laughs> but uh, I think that a lot of that Oscar was. Um, I mean, I, Renee was riding some really big waves at the time. She a lot of people twice, thought the two years prior to that she was nominated. A lot of people thought she should have won for Chicago. Oh yes, you know. So I think that there was a lot of mm-hmm. that working into her Oscar win. Um, but uh, I, I will say it's interesting. I don't know if I ever thought it was going to be two-time Academy Award winner Renee Zellweger. Mm-hmm. Um, which she joins... is, which I'm not like upset about. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's so interesting. I do also think the Academy loves a comeback. Totally, and that is that is her narrative and what she's writing yeah. in this. It's a great performance and a so-so movie, but it's that comeback. We and haven't seen her at the Oscars nominated in so long. And that's the only. I think that's my only hesitation. I, I do hate that we so often get these. Uh, you know. It's a good performance in a in a movie, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of that's especially in Best Actress. There's especially. a lot of there's a lot of winners in these in these movies, and yeah. that's also in part because um, a lot of the quote unquote great movies are male centric films because they be don't true. they don't put the the money and the power behind the female oriented films, and so women have to go to uh, more. Art housey, definitely um, situations to get the movies that can have the meat on them. Totally, and show their range. Yeah. You know, I mean, my God, and that's why still Alice life. wins for Julie, still Julie Alice Moore. or Meryl and the Iron Lady. You yeah. know, I mean, this happens time and time again. Yes. Um, oh gosh, the uh, the Iron Lady. Uh, <laughs> the Iron Lady. <laughs> so I'll take a moment of silence for the Iron Lady. <laughs> Or at oh, least the spe- at least the moment in the speech is iconic. Yes, that's true. Okay. And she wears a gold dress. Okay, um, um, actor in a leading role. Again, this one is absolutely it's Joaquin Phoenix, Joker. He's going to win. Adam Driver, time. Marriage Story, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Antonio Banderas. Which congratulations to him. For Congrats, Painting Glory, and Jonathan Price for the Two Popes. Um, there, it's Joaquin Phoenix. I don't think that's my favorite performance in the category, but um, I know he is. But he has the narrative behind him. So totally, I would give this to Adam Driver. I think he is phenomenal in Marriage Story. But you know, Adam Driver, he's. He has a great career ahead of him. Totally. And he will win an Oscar. Exactly. The Academy is not worried about giving him an award right now. He's the got so only many thing, performances ahead of him. If, if Leo hadn't won for The Revenant. Mm, so true. I feel like I would rather he be, he had been awarded for this movie. But when that movie came out, we didn't know. It was like, he's so blah, blah, blah. But I that. love him. And he is so good in Once Upon a Time Hollywood. And that's my thing with Once Upon a Time. It's really that... Relationship between Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. They and sell the movie. They do, and it's it'd be nice if we could give them both the Oscar, but it's fine. Totally. It's fine. It's, um, it's not going to happen. Best director. Oh. Um, we got mm. uh, uh, Sam Mendes, uh, 19. Mindy's? Mendes. Mendes? I think it's Mendes. Mendes. Yeah, I've heard it both. Um, 1917. 
Um, Todd Phillips, Joker, Martin Scorsese, The Irishman, and Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and um, I didn't attempt to say his name, uh, from Parasite. Bong Joon-ho! Thank you. I just didn't want to... All day! Okay. Um, He... uh, I think this is probably going to go to uh, 1917. I think it's due. Sam Mendes will win this Oscar. Just because the movie was so... The choreography of the film was so... Um, and a lot of people would argue how much of that is cinematography and how much of it is directing, but... Sure. Um, but the, just even the way it's crafted together, the way it's... You know what I mean? He... When a movie is... When a movie can actually be on every single level, performance, cinematography, scoring, writing, it's a director who's really putting all these pieces together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's making them all sing together, and that credit goes to Sam Mendes. Personally, I would put Bong Joon-ho for this, but this is what I'm talking to you about. I, I don't think Bong Joon-ho will win this, but I do think he will win the screenwriting Oscar. And that's where I think this the support is going to be split. Yeah. So I think this is going to go to Sam Mendes. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, um, the big one. Let's just go movie by movie. The um, big one. Best picture. Uh, Ford v. Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a racing movie. <laughs> it's a car racing movie. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it is. It's like, it, this movie is just like... A typical big star Hollywood production. You know what I mean? It's it's exactly what you would expect to get out of it. And the nominations, the win for it. Absolutely. There's no way it's winning Best Picture, you guys. It's no. just not. No, definitely not. I would imagine uh, it actually is not the least likely op or. Um, but, uh, okay. <laughs> um, the Irishman. Um, yeah, tell, okay, me, tell so, me about it. So The Irishman, you know, is like uh, three days long. It's but, um, long. And I did watch it in one sitting in a movie theater. Wow. Um, but I will say it doesn't feel like it has fat on it. Mm. And that I think I think it is a very well-told story, exactly what you expect from Martin Scorsese. It's mm. not my favorite film in the category, but I did enjoy it. Okay. Mm. So I don't. It's not going to win. It's not going to win. But I. It will not win. I did not enjoy this movie. I I kind of thought the opposite. Well, that's not true. I don't know that I think that there's fat to be edited out. I just think this is such a mammoth story that making it as a three and a half hour long film just doesn't do it justice. Like you need to. This would have worked so much better as like a mini series or a mm-hmm. limited series. Something you can watch episodically. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think that structure would have worked better for it. Because it's just, I'm sorry, it's too long. Uh, I I think that it really hurts that um, it was, I, I'm, I'm kind of sad that this was a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, Netflix has this process where they'll release in limited theaters for a month and then put it on Netflix. Right. Um, I think that this movie may have benefited by forcing people to watch it a certain way sure. in a movie theater because I think watching it in one sitting really helped me enjoy it. That's fair. Um, so I would have been interested to see how this would have, uh, how, what people would have thought in a wide release. Um, That's true because to be fair, I watched it in two sittings. I didn't make it through the entire thing in one sitting. So it, maybe if I had, you know, stuck with it and actually pushed myself forward, then Maybe I would have a different outcome. But. And be in a situation where you can't really get distracted. Exactly. Like, totally. Um, okay. Um, so then we got Jojo Rabbit. This Jojo is actually Rabbit. the last one I saw. Uh, and What did you think of it? I 
loved it. This movie's so good. Oh, Jojo Rabbit is such a good movie. It may actually be my favorite in the category. I don't. It's not going to win, but it is so. It's not going to win. It's so. Um, I know that some people really don't like it because of the tone that it takes. Yeah. Um, being that it is about when this kid is a Nazi youth, mm-hmm. um, Hitler youth, or whatever they were called, and um, and it takes a very uh, satirical look at. Yeah, very comical. It is very like, um, uh, you're right, it's, it's satire. 100% it is. It's, but it's so... And that's what makes it so divisive. People think uh-huh. you shouldn't, you know, play around and, and joke it, around it, with World War II. It uses the satire to bring in a very serious message mm-hmm. about um, how everybody is the same, basically. Totally. And I also um, say this too, like, I think a lot of the criticism is coming from people saying that, you know, you shouldn't make jokes about um, Hitler and uh, uh, the Holocaust and things like that. And while there are very comical moments in Jojo Rabbit, there are also some incredibly dramatic moments, too, that balance it out. It's not just one tone the entire movie. And that is why I think this film is as good as it is. It, It... well, it's right back to... It the, balances both of them. The Great Dictator. It's right back exactly. to um, that tone that Charlie Chaplin took mm-hmm. in that movie. Exactly. Um, sometimes you take a tone... Or the producers. You take a tone that walks that fine line. Yep. Um, and you're making fun of yeah. these awful, awful people. Totally. And it's just like the way, the way it... it it's so timely today when we have a segment of our society that is... Um, oh, we're getting political again, guys. <laughs> no, go ahead, say it. That is uh, racist and sexist. Sure. Um, and that segment is being indoctrinated by primarily a news network <laughs> that may be the subject of an Oscar nominee that's going to win Best Makeup and Hairstyling. It shall not be named. It shall be not be named. <laughs> he shall um, not be named. Name. <laughs> that um, they're so far into this cult-like hive mind sure. that they don't think for themselves and they don't look at diverse sources of news and they don't see another person as equal to them. Yeah. And this makes fun of that type of thinking and yes. it's about the Nazis but it's also, in my opinion, about the current state of affairs. Sure, it's those people who just blindly follow others because that's just what the system has taught them, you know? And this movie shows you, oh, they were wrong. (laughs) You know what I mean? And especially in the eyes of a a young child, it makes it even so much more impactful. I will say... That kid is a great friend. The kid is so good, but to me, his little friend, Archie Yates, who plays his friend... Let me tell you about something. Talk about a Best Supporting Actor snub. Archie Yates... So good. Um, oh, hello, Jojo. This is so friggin' cute. I my, my friend uh, quotes all the time, and I finally saw the movie, so I can quote it with her. Um, it's paper like <laughs> it's paper like. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love Jojo Rabbit. It's not going to win Best Picture, but it's one of my favorites of the year for sure. Okay, um, Joker. Joker. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you guys. I do not like this movie. I think it's. 
Um, I thought it was fine. I don't care for it. It's not my type of movie. Um, I think it was competently made. I think it is. I think it is well crafted for what it is. I understand mm-hmm. what people like about it, mm-hmm. but I also feel like the what it amounts to in what it's trying to say. I think the message of the movie is very muddled. I don't think it. It feels like it doesn't even understand what it's trying to say. 100%. It feels like it's just copying. Taxi Mark's, Driver? <laughs> Mark Scorsese films. Literally frame by frame, sure. Uh, Taxi Driver, and also um, that other... Um, King of Comedy. King of Comedy. Yeah. Um, and two Scorsese films, my yes, God. Two, two Scorsese films. And you've got Robert, and you've got Robert in the movie. In the movie. <laughs> and I feel like it's just white male rage that doesn't know where to direct itself. Yeah. That's what the movie feels like. And while that is something that's going on, and years from now people can look back at that and see something about our society in 2019, Mm -hmm. I don't feel that it's doing anything other than a bunch of white guys stomping their feet mad at the world. And that's my thing, too. I just really felt like this movie was very unnecessary. We don't need this. And and it's not just because we had... And it's not just because we had the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger, you know, a decade ago. That's beside the point. But with with Joaquin Phoenix's performance, it just takes all of the mystery out of the character of the Joker. When you give him this backstory... It doesn't even really feel like it's about the Joker. Like, you know, I mean, like... Totally. It's just like he, he wears the makeup. But other than that, it's like it has hardly any connection. To it. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. But what I, you know, what I love about the character of the Joker is he's always the smartest person in the room. He is going to get away. He's, you know what I mean? And we don't know how. He's just this mysteriously, um, very, um, like, uh, I don't know, competent, uh, villain. And I think this movie just kind of erases all that and it takes all the fun out of the Joker. Yeah, but it does make the character of the Joker a two-time Oscar winner. It sure... Exactly. (laughs) And that's what's going to happen. Clearly, American culture is obsessed with this character, so... Man, if only Joaquin... I guess if Joaquin Phoenix had won for Walk the Line, then Philip Seymour Hoffman wouldn't have won. But then he maybe maybe could have won for Doubt, and then we could... Like we there, can play there that is game. we can yeah, we, we can, can fix this. I don't know. I um, I don't think you should have won for Walk the Line. I think that movie might be even worse than The Joker. But I will say, The Master might have been his Oscar to win. Oh, I actually don't like The Master. Mm. Uh, sorry, that's I, okay. <laughs> I saw the first screening of The Master. Really, the, it was a sneak preview screening um, at the. Uh, it was after a screening of The Shining at the Arrow, and I went to see The Shining because I'd never seen it before. And then they said, by the way, we have a sneak preview of a, of, of um, Paul Thomas Anderson's new film, um, if you guys want to stay afterwards. And Paul and Thomas Anderson and Maya Rudolph were there, and I... Wait, it was the whole thing, or was it just a preview? It was, a, it was the whole movie. And Do you just want to stay for a little bit, I would three and a half hours later? <laughs> it, because it was so long, and The Shining's not a short movie. No. And there was a big break in between them, because they had to get everyone out of the theater and then get them back in. Um, I think all of that really contributed to me not enjoying it. But it was... I did see it in 70 millimeter. I mean, that's something. Fair. Um, okay. Anyway, so... Yes. The Joker... I will say this. If there's going to be a surprise win of the Oscars, it might be Joker for Best Picture. Just because... Oh, I don't think so. 11 Oscar nominations. There's a lot of support for this movie. Yeah, I don't think... I No. You never know. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. Let's hope not. Uh, that would make me upset. Um, Little Women. Uh, Little Women's one of my favorites of the year, too. It's not going to win. Um, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, this movie is... It. I feel like it's fitting that mold of this is the costume drama that they are putting in the Best Picture race. Um, um, and I think it deserves a better narrative than that, but that's kind of what they have for it. Uh, I like, um, I've seen, there are four theatrical versions of Little Women. Uh, one in the 30s with Katherine Hepburn. One in the mm. 40s with, um, with June Allison. Uh, I'm saying the character who plays Joe each sure. time. Um, there are other people in them. Um, <laughs> one in the 90s with Winona Ryder. And then uh, this version with Sears Sharonin. Um, uh, two of them were directed by women because the one in the 90s was also directed yep. by a woman. Um, and uh, I will say, I th- I think this is one of the rare situations where all four of them are very competent, good movies in their own right. Um, and in each of the people who play Joe do a great job of putting a stamp on that character and each one has a slight it's interesting to watch it in the 30s and then watch it post-war and then watch it in the 90s and you get a slightly different perspective and the 90s version was very feminist in a lot of ways a lot of women worked behind the scenes in the movie and the characters are feminist in the film but the thing about the most recent version that is interesting is it concentrates less on the feminist qualities of the novel and concentrates more on the sexism. Mm. And the limitations for women are really driven home in this version. Yeah. And it tells it in the flashback present day, um, back and forth. It really plays with what is something that's in this novel that's being written in the movie and what is reality. Yeah. I like that it's almost like a film essay about the novel Little Women. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And that's, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it is such like, I feel like this is also like, just like the perfect Greta Gerwig vehicle for those exact reasons. But you can tell how much she loves the message she is saying in this movie. Mm -hmm. And how delicately it's put together, you know, because it's not just the acting that is phenomenal in this film. It's just the way it is spliced together and how they show that in the screenplay with the flashbacks, the flash forwards, how your actions reflect who you are in the future, but you don't have to live like that. You know what I mean? You can make your own um, future. You can, Sam. You can, and <laughs> you guys can too. Um, I love Little Women. I thought it was wonderful, but it's sadly not going to win Best Picture. Marriage Story. Marriage Story. Um, marriage is... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> marriage Story is... Is what brings people together. Okay. Marriage Story <laughs> is um, the other Netflix entry in the in the race. Uh, it uh, is also... I saw this one in theaters, too. It uh, was shot on film. I saw it on film. I'm so proud of myself. Um, marriage Story... Um, I enjoy, I enjoy may not be the right word. I, I, uh, I liked Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. I will say it was one of those that I enjoyed while I was watching it. And the more I thought about it and the more I talked about it with other people, the less I liked it. Okay. Sure. I can see that. So, because it is the male perspective in mm-hmm. a lot of ways 
of a divorce. Yeah. And um, I do think Adam Driver's character gets a better deal than ScarJo's does in the movie. That is so interesting. Because, like, you you spend more time with him. You see him with the social worker. You don't see her with the social worker. Sure. It's those things. You're right. Yes. Yeah. In that aspect, you're right. I I agree with you there. But I don't know if I think that he gets the better end of the deal. Because to me, she's the one who comes out on top with the lawyers and the fact that the kid stays with her in L.A. as but, opposed Well, to... she does come out on top. I'm saying, like, which character gets more sympathy? Gotcha. Okay, yeah. I see what you're saying now. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Because where we feel... we You're saying the audience feels uh, more sympathy for Adam Driver than we do for Scarlett Johansson. So I feel like it's less of a... I see that. I, okay, I can see... I, I, I think it's less of a 50-50 story than it wants to think it is. Okay. And you can't avoid that because ultimately this is a cathartic... For the writer director of Noah Baumbach, you're right. Sure, I you know okay. I've heard that perspective a lot, but I guess I don't know. When I watched it, I've only watched it once. Maybe I should watch it again. To me, I felt it was very equal. You know, because I could understand why Scarlett Johansson's character wanted to leave, but didn't know how to say she wanted to leave. Felt bad for leaving. You know what I mean? It was all these. I mean, I just think both these characters have so much internalized shame with how they've treated each other in the past that I don't think there's really any 50-50 possibility here. Mm-hmm. They're just doing the best that they can. You know? Yeah. And I think it's that's still the reality a, it's of still what a very divorce interesting. is. It is. But this is why I think it's a great movie. It sparks this really wonderful debate between people. You know? And I think that is what a movie should do. And movies should do that. I completely totally. agree. I loved it. Yeah. Um, but it will not win. But you're right. It is... Uh, Definitely a cathartic story for Noah Baumbach. We have talked a bit about 1917. Um, uh, You know, I really, really liked 1917. I did too. I think 1917's a very good film. I will say something. I do think it loses some tension. Mm -hmm. Spoiler. Please turn this off if you haven't seen it. (laughs) Um, after one of the two soldiers dies, mm. because at that point right. the movie can't end if the other one dies. Right. So true. So no matter what he was going through from that point on, I did feel like okay, but he's gonna make it. Sure, you're like you know, takes suspense away. He's like, well, I mean, he's but I mean, it's, it. Sure. it wasn't that it wasn't suspenseful. It just at that point became more of a. Like an Indiana Jones sure. situation oh, yeah. where you know he's going to make it to the end, yeah. and so then it's just like a roller coaster ride there. So I want to see how he gets to this one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I see your point there. That makes yeah. sense. Did you see that coming, by the way? See, when the friend. I didn't think it. I, I figured one of them was going to go, but I didn't figure it would happen that early. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I was so shocked. I was like, oh! <laughs> I also. I also. I saw the trailer, but I didn't see it multiple times. Um, and so I think if I had seen it multiple times, I would have picked up on the fact that he's by himself in oh, parts uh, of the trailer. <laughs> sure. That, that, yeah. Um, exactly right. That makes sense. But, uh, that makes sense. I didn't, and I knew someone, so one of the two wasn't going to make it. Right. That felt really obvious to me. Sure. Or someone's going to like seriously injure, something big was going to happen. But yeah. I knew both of them couldn't go. Mm-hmm. Cause then the story ends if they totally. both go. Um, so mm. I, I, I didn't really think it would be the friend I mean the the one who did die I didn't think it was going to be the one who died but then when he did it was like well narratively this makes the most sense yep 
Narrative because uh, he yeah. has this guy had less to do it for, and now he's doing it for his friend, which is a bigger <clears throat> emotional totally connection. Totally, and I from what I've been you know reading and um, hearing from other people that have talked about this movie is people are saying that they weren't able to like emotionally connect with the film. They're like it's kind of all flashy effects and camera movement, and it, the the technical marvel of it is great. But you know, I've heard people say that it's not emotionally resonant and I think that is so far from the truth Mm -hmm. I felt so connected to this story of him and him getting there in the end and when he finally does I mean my god I broke that and I was just bawling in the movie theater it really hit me I um never cry but um, I uh, got a heart full of ice. It's actually a problem, but um, I've <laughs> talked to therapist about it. But anyway, um, I uh, I I did really like yeah, him, and I liked his performance. Um, Me too. My God, the, the amount of things this I, actor had to do. I I kind of was thinking while I was watching it, both him and the kid from JoJo, I thought would be great entries in the best actor. Yes. Uh, in the best actor race, it was George. McKay? But ultimately, the thing, right? the thing that I became most impressed with was the camera, camera work for sure. And Roger Deakins, um, George McKay. Yeah, that is the lead actor in 1917. Roger Deakins, American Institution. That My is. God. Um, outdid himself. It's insane. Outdid himself. And I will say, like, as far as, like, all these movies where, you know, they have this gimmick of, it's in one take, or it's in, you know, a series of very long takes, to me, I think 1917, it makes the most sense, you know? You're doing this in real time. You are on this journey with this soldier. And it did add tension. It did add a lot of tension. And it contributed to that suspense. Totally. It's the gunfire you're hearing and not really knowing where it's coming from, just like he has no idea. You're, you know, you feel consumed by this atmosphere of war and what it's like to be behind enemy lines. You know, all these terrible situations he's put into. I loved every bit of it. Yeah. And I, you do spend a lot of time in the movie thinking like, uh, I, I, the, I think the only thing I, I, I wish I could watch a movie as a non-film person sometimes (laughs) because I feel like I end up watching a lot of movie like this one thinking like, good God, how have they not cut? How did they do this? How much planning and rehearsal did this take? How are these people not? blowing a line things like that that's what i'm thinking about a lot of the time i wish i could take a step back and and watch as a person who's not thinking those things but it is um an incredible achievement yeah um it's probably going to win best picture Mm -hmm. um i think but it is not uh my personal favorite in the category all right so let's get to the next one which one is your personal favorite i think we only have two left right yes and I think they're both of our personal favorites. So what's, the, what's your personal favorite? But, like, I don't have a problem with... I, I, I the mean, safe like, bet is 1917. I feel like the but, safe bet is 1917. But and, if and, you were filling out your ballot, what would you put down? Um, once Upon a Time in Hollywood. In Hollywood. <laughs> um, there's a lot of reasons why this is my personal. Go for it. Um, the biggest one is I came in here, came into this movie with... Um, with a very keen interest in true crime. When I'm not listening mm. to film podcasts, I'm listening to true crime podcasts. Yes, me too! And uh, and so I know a lot about the Manson murders. Mm-hmm. I know a lot about Sharon Tate. 
Um, and so I had that going in. And so I think really knowing your facts on that stuff adds a level of tension to the movie. Yeah. That during the slow burn that is the first two hours of the film, <laughs> um, you have like this sense of dread. And it's interesting because you're watching it and you know like, okay, we're in early 1969, so I know she's safe for now. Yep. And so you're like, where is this going to go? Is it going to go there? And and when it does do it in a Tarantino fashion... <laughs> as only Tarantino as only, could do. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. If you see what happens in the movie on paper, you might think this could be horribly offensive. Totally. But somehow, it comes off as this love letter mm-hmm. to Sharon Tate, in a way. Totally. And this is almost like Quentin Tarantino's spoiler. This is Quentin Tarantino saving a childhood crush. Oh, yeah. And I like looking at the movie that way. Okay. And he makes these oh, two... sweet. And he has two dynamic characters in Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Who are both at the top of their game in this movie and have very well-drawn, interesting characters. Um, who he sets them up, sets up their life, sets up this story that's telling you something about what Hollywood was like in the 1960s. Um, about this transition from the studio era and the t- early television era into the kind of old west that was that was the independent filmmaking movement and the lack of the structure of the studio system. So you're seeing something about that. You're seeing what it's like to be an aging actor, a typecast actor. Mm-hmm. You're seeing all of that, and he folds that into this narrative about Sharon Tate and lets them converge mm. and uses these people and this era that he loves to save this childhood crush. Mm. And um, I saw this at his movie theater here in LA. That's right. The New Beverly, which only plays film prints and uh, has a very interesting programming schedule. Um, and for the month of July, they only played um, movies from the late 60s. And oh, wow. so I went to a bunch of those screenings. And, I, and you see the influence. Oh, wow. And I got really prepped for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And a lot of the movies that are referenced in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he played. Gotcha. Um, like, he, like the stuff that's like on theater marquees as they're walking by. Like he played those oh, yeah. and Production design. Hey! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, uh, it's it's such a great L.A. movie. It's it's wonderful. Totally. It is really, yeah, it's totally his love letter to Hollywood. And it's another one of these movies where, you know, Tarantino loves to just kind of rewrite and play around with history and create his his own versions of it. And... For me, when I watched this movie, I liked it too. I did like this movie a lot. When you bring up the fact that the first two hours are building tension, I agree with you. I don't think we needed two hours of tension building, personally. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, that's just personal preference. But the last 20 minutes of this movie is some of the most fun I've had watching a movie in a very long time. Yeah. It, it really is all about that. Because you're right. Maybe you do need those two hours to fully appreciate that last little chunk of uh, film. And I will say the second time's better. I've That's what a lot of people have said. Yeah. I've only seen it once, so maybe I should give this one a rewatch too. Yeah. Um, but you know, when I my a lot of my takeaways from the first two hours of the movie, I mean, 
my God, there's this scene where he's driving in the car for what feels like 10 minutes. And I'm like, Tarantino, cut, <laughs> cut away from this. I don't care anymore. But you know what I mean? I think he's that I, a filmmaker. I think I'm one of those people who like when something takes place, particularly in uh, LA in the 1960s and we're spinning and we're, I'm just like, Oh look, <laughs> and it's really fun for that actually. when you do live in LA or if you have an appreciation for LA it's really fun to see all the landmarks and how they appeared in the 60s it is a very awesome recreation uh, of 1960s LA yeah I liked it too it was um, okay. I don't think it's going to win I, what do you think its chances are of winning um, I think it it has a better chance than some of the things on the list yes I, I think, think it's, it's in the top three I think it's a top three um, if there's an upset if 1917, which seems to be the front runner, mm-hmm. gets upset, it's either going to be it's there's one movie it's more likely to be, and this would be the next one in line. Mm-hmm. The movie it's more likely to be is our last nominee, Parasite, and my favorite movie of the year. Parasite, Parasite. is a trip. Ugh, um, what a wonderful movie experience! It's just like it takes such a turn. Yes, and I had no idea, and. I kept myself pretty spoiler through free before I saw it. Me too. And I will say this too. If you guys have not seen Parasite yet, turn this, um, off. turn this off. But also, don't read anything about it. It's one of those movies where it really is best going into it completely blind. A friend of mine said that someone, they still really enjoyed the movie, but someone told them, oh, the ending's so crazy. Mm. And oh, so they knew something was going to happen. And so they kind of wished the person hadn't said that because yeah. they... Then they were expecting something totally. like what happens. My favorite thing is the only thing I read. I read the like the little summary on you know like Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, and all it talks about in the the summary is oh a lower class family infiltrates an upper class family and uses them to make money. I was like, all right, that doesn't sound necessarily like enthralling, but when you watch this movie, it is exactly that. It's funny. And you know, it's it's terrifying. If it hadn't taken that turn. That takes the movie was just about them conning. Like that was entertaining. That was. I was like into that totally. And I kind of thought that okay, if it's gonna go to a weird place, maybe they like start offing the family. Mm. Like that's kinda, that's kind of what I was thinking. Was I was going thinking, to as well, but but it is, goes a different direction. You it guys. just goes. It takes a left, like the most left turn I have yeah. taken in a movie. And I, like, I was sitting back in my seat in the theater, <laughs> and I, like, pulled forward, and I, I just, like, I was like, what is, I forgot that I had to pee, I... Yeah. <laughs> it makes you, for, it, it puts you in this movie, and for me, that's what movies are all about. Forget your worries, forget your anxieties and fears for a moment, just sit in a movie theater and watch a film and just be completely enthralled the entire time, and that's why Parasite is the best movie I mean, of the year for me. I mean, you may not forget your fears fears in Parasite. Well, you might develop new fears. <laughs> <laughs> you might. You sure might. Um, but I mean, any And movie... it says something. It yes. is about classism. It yes. is about um, this... And not even just Korean classism. This is a very universal problem that's happening all over the world. It's it's about the... Uh, about the lower class and the upper class and the differences between them and and how some people look down on other people because they don't have money or I mean like mm-hmm. there's so much and the only way a lower class family can actually make money is by working for an upper class family or exactly. those who have you know better means than they do mm-hmm. and then they're living in the ghetto by the day yeah. and then and then coming to work in this area but I mean like there's it says so much about modern society outside Korea mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say this too. Even though it is um, in, uh, it is a foreign language film. Obviously, it doesn't 
like take away anything they have to read. You know what I mean? You, that doesn't bother you at all. I think you could take all the dialogue out of this film, and it would still be just as entertaining. Which was what something Hitchcock said. You should be able to watch a movie with the sound off and know what's going on. I know what's going on. And um, it, this movie—it's just—it's great. It, you believe the hype. I mean, absolutely believe the hype, you guys. It is. And so if something good. upsets nineteen seventeen, I think It'll it be would. It would be Parasite. I would freak out. If Parasite wins this picture, I will freak out. I will say it has won... It has not won as much as 1917, but it's won the next most, I think. Yeah, totally. As far as best pictures go. And it did win SAG. It won the Ensemble Award at SAG. That's huge. And the thing about winning the SAG Award, the largest branch of voters Mm -hmm. in the Academy... Is our actors the now? Obviously, branch, yeah. there's a lot of people in SAG who are not members of the Academy. Yeah, but, but still, the majority of the Academy is made up of yeah. actors. It's the largest voting branch, you know. And so, so if actors liked Parasite for Best Picture, I could see that being what puts it over. Totally. You also have to think of it this way too, with the way the Best Picture award um, is given out with the preferential ballot. You don't necessarily want to be everyone's number one spot. You want to be in that one, two, or three spot. You know what I mean? To have that like weighted uh, when they put in all the tallies. You know what I mean? You know, you guys, if you guys thought the caucus system in Iowa was complicated, the... <laughs> the <laughs> oh, God. The preferential ballot for the Best Picture. The preferential ballot for Best Picture is even more confusing it is a trip it is a trip i and that's why i'm saying there's so much love for 1917 and parasite that those two could end up i don't want to say cancel each other out because it doesn't really work that way in the preferential ballot but it could um divide the votes and a third film could rise above and i will say i and feel it might like be once upon a time i feel like surprises have have happened a lot in the last few years i feel because like of this yes i feel like Nobody thought Green Book was going to win. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody thought Moonlight that. was going to win. Nobody thought Moonlight was going to win. Even Shape of Water was kind of a surprise. You know, I think uh, with being Guillermo del Toro and everyone loves him, I still think it winning Best Picture was kind of a um, really awesome movie to win. But I still think it was kind of a shock. Well, yeah, and I th- well that was an interesting year just because there were so many good movies. So that year. many good movies. That, that was year. a that was a very solid year. But there it was a bunch of good movies and not a clear. Great movie. Totally. And I you also know? kind of think with this year, too, I really feel like there are a handful of movies where I I can see a storyline for each one winning. I can see a storyline for 1917, Parasite, Once Upon a Time, even Jojo Rabbit. I can see a lot of these films having so much support that if there is going to be an upset, it could be one of a couple, you know? Which or is why I think. It could be a situation where. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Similar to Iowa, yeah. Um, where Talk about my home state? <laughs> similar to Iowa, where there's so many candidates for for God. for president that your your vote gets split a lot. Yeah, and and you don't have to have as much support to win because of that. So the more yeah, the more spread out the the thing is, we have I think. Um, uh, contend- we have um, uh, support for each of a few films. I said that very badly. Yeah. Um, there's a few films that have strong support. Yeah. And if enough people go for that movie, um, there I, th- I I could see I could see one of a couple things happening. Totally. Because the whole thing with the preferential ballot is you have to get at least fifty percent of the votes. 
So, like, when you're, everybody ranks their best picture, uh, the nominees, so, you know, after the first round goes through, whatever has the least amount of votes gets knocked off, and they put it all back in again, and the votes then go toward a different film, which is why you want to be in that kind of two or three spot on everyone's list, because then you're going to stick around a lot longer to push you over that 50%. So that's why I'm kind of like, I've heard a lot of divisiveness between Jojo Rabbit, mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, even 1917, but, and maybe it's just, you know, me living in a bubble, but I have not heard a lot of negativity about Parasite. No, which no is everybody why, loves Parasite. Which yeah. is why I think it's going to be on a majority of people's one, two, or three spots. Yeah. So if there's going to be an upset, oh God, if it's Parasite, I, I, I might pass well, out. I would, I would also like, just, I would like what that would do for foreign films yes. i would like what it would do for representation of other people who are not white mm-hmm. you know i i, I agree with you. this isn't the first time the foreign film has been nominated for best picture last year literally but i do think that this is where it is last year the favorite to win was a was a foreign film and it didn't win and it didn't win and we're kind of coming the same yeah you know you're right it's kind of coming that same kind of narrative where it's a foreign film versus it could be like last year where the foreign film wins everything except Best Picture. Except Best Picture. Yeah. Totally. It could be. Or they or, could learn the lesson from last exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And Although was, I don't think Roma should have won last year. That was not one of my favorite movies. Oh, but I, I I don't either. But I'm talking about the but, yes, popular narrative. Yes. Yes. And that's why I think... Also, I think Roma not winning had something to do with uh, the Academy's... Um, uncertain relationship with Netflix. Definitely. But, because I don't think the Academy is completely warmed to Netflix. No, I think we're making strides, though. I think this year is going to see a lot of Well, this year they got, they got really respected filmmakers behind. They got, uh, I mean, Alfonso Cuaron is also a respected filmmaker. But I think getting somebody as heavy-hitting as Martin Scorsese was really big for Netflix. Definitely. And the fact that they, they... They've done a few things that really play into the academies, uh, like they bought the Egyptian, and when they sure. bought the Egyptian, they are they are helping to restore it, um, and they are allowing all of the festivals and the American Cinematheque to continue to play movies there. They're only using it to do limited runs of their big movies and have a place to do awards benefits and that kind of thing and so the fact that they are helping out that theater which is also which it, the American Cinematheque where an organization Martin Scorsese supports um, is taking up residence there I mean like all of that's the stuff that plays into the academies exactly yeah. Netflix is playing the game yeah. you know what I mean they're showing the academy that they're they want the Oscars exactly of them. course they, they do. need that legitimacy so what I think is going to be so they're also doing longer theatrical runs than they were doing which I think oh yeah I think it's going to become more normal too yeah no what I think is going to be so exciting about this year's Oscar ceremony is I really think the the biggest question mark is the final category I think best picture is going to be Potentially Just a shocker. A shocker. And I, you know what I mean? So, Fear you for know, it. totally. If you're filling your ballot. Bring out Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty. Oh I'm my ready. Gosh. I'm ready for. I'm God. ready. We need another mix up. We need another There's something. <laughs> my gut says for picture 1917. My heart says Parasite. So, you know, fill out what you think it's going to be. <laughs> you know, I don't mind the no host situation, but I do kind of wish they'd find a host again. 
I know they're not doing yeah. that again, but I, I don't want that to become the norm. I do think a good host is... Yes! That's yeah. the problem. They haven't picked a, like a solidly good host in a, in a while. Kimmel did fine. I thought he was fine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he was fine. Yeah. Um, the last, like, buzzy one was when Ellen did it. When Ellen time. did it, yeah. Because totally. Ellen had the, the selfie moment that went viral and... That's wrong. Um, and they need they need those types of moments to really make they the do. Oscar to really bring home the relevance. Oh my gosh. But there are several movies this year that made a lot of money at the box office that are nominated and that is oh, yeah. that is big because that typically does help ratings. So Exactly. Yeah. Um Anyway. Wow, that's all of it. So there's there's your Oscar ballot, guys. <laughs> and <laughs> Take we'll... what we say with a grain of salt and do what you want to do, and we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week. Right, we'll go back to the early 1930s for you. We'll be back to our regular programming next week, you guys. We have our next fun episode, this week. Cimarron. Yes, yeah. enjoy the Oscars. It's my favorite day of the whole year. It's like Christmas and my birthday combined. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. See you next time.